I've said it all along that the beauty of our profession as project managers is our willingness to share our experiences. Our stories come freely and we accept them with an open mind because as we all know, every project is different, every project manager is different, and the way we get to the resolution is different, which is why these stories become so helpful to the foundation and building blocks we use to get better at and practice our craft. This week, I have the pleasure of welcoming Kevin Torf, author of Getting the Job Done, Practical Advice and Real World Anecdotes to Manage Successful Projects to the Everyday PM Podcast, to share with us his advice and anecdotes in, structured, in a structured yet very personable manner. Check it out. Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, retail, consumer goods, and tech industries. I am so excited to welcome Kevin Torf, author of Getting the Job Done, Practical Advice, and Real-World Anecdotes to Manage Successful Projects, and an information systems executive with a career spanning more than 40 years. He is also the co-founder and managing partner of T2 Group, and I am very excited to have some of his time today. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Well, Anne, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience and really excited about having this interview and looking forward to answering some of your questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm getting ready to kind of dig into uh, some of the details of the book, but I see that you are in Southern, Southern California right now, sunny Southern California right now. Are you actually um, in the middle of your workday there at T2 Group? I am. Uh, we still have actual traditional offices. I, I know that might be unique uh, for some people that uh, over the last year through the pandemic, but uh, yeah. we do have uh, an office facility and we do still try practice coming into the office in a safe way. We're a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm in Torrance at the moment. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. Well, again, I, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast. I wanted to start with the book itself, right? Because um, the book has released. So congratulations for that. It released, I believe, on Thank September you. 7th. So everyone make sure to get the book. Uh, we're going to dig into kind of the details of that today. And I'll make sure that the links to grab the book, whether it's in the e-format or in the hard copy, are available within this post as well. So Kevin, let's start with the beginning first, right? You write this enlightening conclusion. And I, I really want to bring that to the top of this podcast because it really hit me. It really struck me as something um, that I, I could correlate with. And I think a lot of the people who read this book will also be able to correlate with. And you find this yourself kind of at the end of the book where Kevin kind of does a recap of the entire book. And it's, it's called the, the last chapter, or the conclusion is called life is a project, uh, which fits, I think, so very well with the driving force behind what the everyday PM is about, which is we're project managers, either by title or by nature. And the things we do in our work can apply to our everyday lives. And, and I love this kind of a roll up of uh, at the end of your book, Kevin, because it talks about how life is essentially a project. And a lot of the things that you're undertaking to complete a project have a lot of things in common with what we do in our everyday lives. So can you talk a little bit about kind of that summary of overall? Uh 
I, I do, uh, I try to practice what I preach. Uh, you know, not always, as we always, uh, you know, have different ideas of the way we do things. But I have, I love business and I love equating the work I do. And I, I try to find metaphors and things to help me understand it better. So, uh, you know, I talk about playing chess. I talk about these mm -hmm. are moves that you make that have consequences because after you've made the move, you have to deal with the consequence that occurs right. in running a project and running your business. It's the same impact. Uh, you know, other things I, I didn't put in the book, but, you know, a large ship, when you want to sail the ship or, or turn the ship, you need to start steering the ship well before the ship actually turns. Well, that's all about anticipation. That's all about preparation. You can't just go from one place to another place really quickly. So these are things that help me better understand project management, better understand the business side of doing things. And it, it gives me that relationship. I, yeah, I agree. I, I love this quote from the book. If it's okay, I'm going to quote the book. It's you say, if you were dropped in the middle of the ocean, and we're unable to tell where land was, what direction would you swim? I love that question. It just makes you think about what is the appropriate answer to that? And you, you go into talk about, you know, what the, what the answer should be to that, or what, what you think the answer should be for, for project managers. But can you talk a little bit about how that metaphor kind of applies to how you navigate you know, they, as a project they, manager? <laughs> they're different type of people, uh, you know, and people do think differently and it doesn't necessarily make one way right or wrong. Uh, with my success, it has really come about because I have engaged and I have got the job done. And in order for me to do that, I believe you just need to start sometimes, even without knowing where you're heading or the direction you're going. Uh, yeah. I know this can be totally counterintuitive uh, uh, to planning, which is all about project management, but you've got to start at some point. Uh, I, I find in my work and the work that I do with other people, that period of, of starting can really be a, a tough time for people to engage and people like to think through every possible scenario or they'll process they, they will uh you know uh, struggle to find where to start where the beginning should be mm -hmm. and what i was trying to express in that statement was it's actually not important what is important is you do start and then once you've started you can reevaluate where you are and then make the adjustments you need. Now, it's always good to do the, the right thing the first time. You know, it's not, you know, someone would argue that, well, you know, that you might make mistakes. Isn't that going to be repetitive? Uh, no, I don't find it. It is. I find it will still be, it's a more productive way of doing something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of project managers, old project managers who have been in the field for a very long time, even to this day, probably still have that anxiety of just diving in and swimming, right? No matter whether you have the direction to land or not. And I, I just like that metaphor because it really speaks to the fact that we can plan and plan and plan as project managers. And obviously we want to plan as much as possible, but there are just simply some things that come up in a project that we'll never be able to anticipate. And, and, and the, the, 
fact of the matter is at some point you really just have to start swimming. And, and I thought that was just such a beautiful line from the book, but um, I wanted to dig into the acronym that you use for projects, because I typically use acronyms when I'm studying for courses and exams, because they're, they make things easier to remember. Right. And so the book itself, uh, the use projects, but it's actually, actually an acronym. Can you talk a little bit about what each of the letters represents and, and was it your intent to do, uh, to use an acronym for, for the title? Well, just as we talked about the getting in the ocean and swimming, uh, I didn't have a plan. <laughs> I, didn't have the, I didn't start with the word projects. What happened was uh, I started writing out tips and my first objective of this book was to really just make each page a tip on itself that could be read by itself without having a tie altogether and in, in a theme. Uh, and I just accumulated a lot of these tips over time. And when we started looking at this could possibly be a book, uh, I, I started thinking about, well, how would I group these different tips into different categories? And, you know, as we were coming up with different terms, uh, it really did just come about coincidentally mm -hmm. that I started saying, well, hold on, some of these might work. And this is all about project management and P for planning, R for retrospective, mm -hmm. S for standards. And then we, we juggled a few words around and it played really well into my hand, which is very much, you know, swim and change your course and change your direction. And we ultimately got to where we wanted to go, I believe. You know, I'll pretend that you had that foresight, you know, from the beginning, <laughs> because I do think it's it's so brilliant to have the acronym available. And and for those who have studied for the PMP exam, for example, that's one of the main things you remember is the acronym to remember all the body of knowledge areas, right? So this is just another great way to represent what each of these sections of your book mean. And then I am just thoroughly impressed with the how each section is outlined um, as an instructor. I think this book can easily be used by instructors to teach project management to their students just in the way that it's structured, because you, you have very practical um, uh, experiences that you share, and then you kind of tie it in with project management overall and kind of what does this mean for this particular section of the book and and really the practicality of it is really what I love and the anecdotes obviously as well. Um, the book contains several of them right uh, several an anecdotes on kind of wide-ranging topics. Uh, I think I'll let you highlight kind of some of your favorites that you've included in there, uh, but was it important for you in, in your writing process to make sure that you made it practical and entertaining and informative, all of those things? No, it was. I, that was my intent. So the word projects might not have been, but definitely <laughs> uh, I didn't want to write a book that was a hard book to read. Uh, I'm not a very good reader naturally. So uh, I like picture books still today. <laughs> <laughs> but I do read a lot. And uh, I've just always struggled with reading. It's never been natural to me. And because I'm, I'm studying all the time and learning ap academic books, uh, I just find them, you know, hard to, you know, remember and to you know get into the detail of what the intent of what the author is trying to communicate so I, I felt that a way to do this and make a little bit more fun of it was to bring these uh, times in history that people would think 
Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, that was a big moment. Oh, the Big Dipper in Boston. That's what really happened. Those mm -hmm. tunnels collapsed. Oh, the Mars Luna landing didn't work out because two people didn't talk between each other and they were a couple of decimal points out on their measurements. So those things are, they're great times in history to remember different times things occurred, but then to try to relate them to maybe what we would have done differently now with hindsight, with hindsight, everything's a lot easier and how we can implement different methodologies and different approaches that could uh, you know, help facilitate a lot of these things. We spoke about getting started. Leonardo da Vinci was the most famous person for starting hundreds and hundreds of projects. And yet he actually took very few to fruition. And a lot of people are like that naturally, where they want to start something and they think they can do it better in a different way. So they started again and then they started again, but they never get to the finish line. So right. again, Great. I, I found it a very interesting way of trying to tell the story and, and bring a little bit of humor to it to make it a little bit less of a heavy read. Yeah, I agree. It's just anyone who picks this up, whether you're uh, new to project management or, or just interested in the field, it's it's very entertaining because of the fact that you're able to correlate stories that we've heard about or or maybe knew a little bit about, but you're able to make that correlation, which is fantastic. Um, and then the tips, right? The tips that everyone can can take away, again, whether you're titled project manager or not, there's a lot of practical use coming out of this book that I think um, a lot of us can take with us. And that's that's really what's important, especially as learners and as students is, tell me what I can do even after I'm out of this classroom, right? And, and what can I infuse into what I'm doing at work? And I think that's what sets your book apart from the other project management, you know, guidance related, tip related books is that this, the level of practicality and the entertainment value that's tied along with it, make it for a very, very interesting read. And I, I'm, that's just my sincere uh, review of the book, but I wanted to dig into the value of collaboration and consensus, because I know with project management and the way that the, the actual role itself is expanding and the industry is expanding, right? I think it's expected to grow 30 something percent in the next, um, in the next few years is you have to be very dynamic in the way that you project manage. And so it's not so much technical as it is now having that emotional intelligence and learning to work with people. And so I, I bring this up in terms of the collaboration and consensus, because I feel like that is a trait that is becoming more and more important for a project manager to be able to inhibit. So how do you know when it's time to kind of, when you're working with your stakeholders, because this ha happens to all of us, right? You, you bring the stakeholders into a room, you, your goal is to align them, they debate for an hour and you walk out and you have nothing. And so it's, it's really about how do you make sure that you're driving the collaboration, but you're also driving the consensus and how do you stop the debate and settle on a compromise with these stakeholders? So the, the, the last resort, and I think I even use those words, is having to dictate and make a decision when you have to. And there are times when that does have to happen. So the, the question really is not that you shouldn't do that. If you have to, you have to. But how do you avoid 
making, forcing other people to do something that you want mm. or mm. telling people they have to or dictating, as I call it. To me, you've got to set up an environment where they, where they want to collaborate, not forcing them to collaborate. I talk about the push-pull theory in, in project management where you dictate to people what to do and hope that they're going to do it. Well, you're not going to get the buy-in people want versus if you ask them what you think they should be doing. So if you said to me, you know, this is my objective, how would you go about it, Anne? And you told me, well, I would do it this way. Well, now you've actually made an investment in you in the, in the contribution that you're making. This yeah. automatically makes you a little bit more accountable. And because you're a little bit more accountable, it's probable, not always, but it's probable, you will now want to, you know, deliver and fulfill what you've been asked because it wasn't someone that told you you had to do it. It was someone that asked your opinion and you gave it. And the more you can do that within a team atmosphere where people can share thoughts and ideas between each other and collaborate, you're really not managing. The word project management, the word management really doesn't even play in here. It's about leadership. It's, a, it's about being a coach. I do like my, my metaphor. So I talk about the Leicester football team in England. There was, you know, a, a team that only had a tenth of the capital of some of the leading teams like Manchester United and Manchester City. But yet they won the Premier League, one of the most sought after trophies in the world. And people would say it was never possible. They didn't do it with having superstars on their team. They did it with good communication. They did it by trusting people. They did it by allowing people to do their job. And they did it in such a, they did it in such a manner that the entire force of the team was greater than the individual count. And, you know, we always like to use the word, does one and one equal three? Well, if you're able to really collaborate, you can. So a long answer, but if you do this well, in my opinion, you don't have to make that tough decision mm -hmm. then at the very end. Now, if you have to, you still have to because you've got to get the job done. And if it's your responsibility and you're accountable, then you need to do it. But I look at every time you do that as actually a failure, that you didn't build an environment that would allow those decisions to be made by the team and to be totally self-sufficient and empowered to do that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, that some people kind of don't look beyond the fact that, oh, I didn't drive this decision or, you know, I wasn't aggressive enough to, to make sure that, you know, the decision that I wanted to get out of it was made. But I like the fact that you're telling us to take a step back. Do you even have the culture or kind of the environment built to, to be able to get your stakeholders to feel comfortable making those decisions and going coming to that consensus. That's brilliant. I love that. And there's a lot of that in your book too, I would say. A lot of this type of thing where it's asking us to kind of take a step back as project managers, get out of the weeds for a second, really just kind of look at what you've built and, and that type of thing. So I, I like that perspective. I will say, just to add, it's, it's something you have to practice like anything in life. Mm -hmm. It's not natural to some people. And it actually, if you, I don't know if I, I, I think I, I, I wrote this, I'm now, I'm trying to remember some of the things I wrote, but uh, it wasn't, um, to me, when I started in my career, I started off by being in control of everything I did. 
I started by telling people what I wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. I even told people how to go about doing what I wanted them to do. And I was successful. I, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate in life. I built a few companies on that model, but it doesn't sustain very well. And, you know, we talk about burnout. We talk about people being invested. And it took me a long time to realize I was losing good people because I wasn't allowing them to grow. So I was actually the reason that they weren't getting better in their job because I never gave them the opportunity. If I kept telling them what to do all the time, they did it. We got the job done, but uh, it can be far more valuable uh, to have them want to do it and be part of that. So it's a a tough lesson to learn. And, you know, I still today, uh, I struggle with reminding myself, even when I look at the book and I read some of those tips I say to myself, you should practice some of what you're right. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all are always our own self-critics though? And I, I agree. It's, it's, it's so hard. We have so much kind of that we need to keep in our, keep in our rep, in our skill set, And it's often forgotten some of the things that you were practicing up front that many years later, oh, I did that before. Maybe I should try that again. And so I don't blame you, Kevin. I think it's there. Just so there's there's a lot there's a lot to remember. I wanted to um, actually ask you about your experience working with T two Group because you know I, I imagine it's your culminative experience through your forty year career that led you to this moment of hey, I would like to write this book and have it you know share my knowledge and my experiences with others. Um, can you talk a little bit about T2 Group and the projects that you worked on there? And was there a particular project that you um, that you kind of learned a lot out of that you can share with us? So I've been very fortunate. I, I, there are a lot of people that have put a lot of trust in the T2 Group and companies and have given me the opportunity to learn even at their cost. So I, I got to thank all my clients because they were very instrumental in in me being doing what I do today and how I go about doing that. Uh, I've, I've, I've had a very, very, varied career, but it's mostly been in technology. And about some 15 years ago, one of my customers came to me and said, would I help them in uh, with a project for a hospital? And uh, back then, uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I'd done project work before and in different capacities throughout my career. And uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to. And this was actually building a new hospital where uh, pretty much from the ground up, every IT decision that had to be decided needed to be made and costed. So the project was very daunting. It was very large. And one of, I I, I do believe uh, maybe a talent, I don't know if it is a talent or something I've practiced, is I really, I I can simplify complex situations and it was more about well there's 200 projects but each project is just one single one so don't think of all 200 think of just one project at a time Mm -hmm. and you know nothing in life is that linear but if you can break it down into in, in such a manner you know you can really get things done and I was fortunate enough to be part of this project and it was uh, the Anderson Pavilion at Foot Children's Hospital which Amazing. is uh, a great hospital it's one of the top hospitals in the country and I was fortunate to work with great people and we we really went about uh, you know 
this this three years, some three and a half year engagement. And today it's uh, probably still one of the top hospitals in the country some 15 years ago, from 15 years ago. So that was one that really comes to mind because it was also the start of my career in healthcare, which I've really mm -hmm. loved. And I've really loved working with hospitals and helping hospitals achieve their major goals. Fortunate enough to uh, uh, do a project with Sharp Healthcare, which is another very well-managed, very organized hospital system. And working with a lot of smart people, uh, smarter than me, uh, it brought me a whole new insight about how to better collaborate. And one of the challenges uh, Sharp had, which is no different from some of the other hospitals is, in the IT side, you have the application team and you have the infrastructure team, and they don't always work as well together as what one would want or one would hope. And that was uh, the T2 group's responsibility was to bring that chemistry to get these teams to come together in order for them to relocate the entire data centers. And very exciting to work with just some 400 people and yeah. when and coordinate their activities and obviously i had a great team that did it i didn't do it single-handedly but these are projects that t2 group has been proud of and uh, of there's many of them amazing it sounds like your superpower you know taking these big complex projects multi-million billion whatever budget it is and making it consumable by your team to be able to kind of ch chip away at getting to that end result. I think that's amazing. And I, I imagine that those experiences are really what fed into the, the anecdotes and the, and the lessons learned that you're sharing in the book as well. No, they're very rewarding. Uh, and it's, 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 it's the people, have, as I said, that, that I've worked with and the team that I've been built, that I've built have, have really contributed to a lot of the success. And we are very, very proud of it. That's great. And so, Kevin, you've written a book. You, your career is spanning 40 years, 40 plus years. You've got an amazing team, amazing experiences on projects. Is there another book in the horizon? What do you feel? What's next, Kevin? What's well, next you know, you? one of my struggles is I am a little uh, anal with everything I do, and I'm very tentative to a lot of detail. And this book was a struggle for me because mm -hmm. I was never happy. And the book took a little longer than I'd intended because I, I kept rewriting it. And even when I did the final proof of the book, I thought oh, I could say things in a little bit of a different way and I could change <laughs> this. So like I yeah. told you from the beginning, I had to use, you know, take some of my own advice and say, it's a start, get it out there, you know, get feedback. And yeah, I do believe there'd be a version two because I saw so many things I could improve mm -hmm. and I would want to. So this was a, a life challenge for me not doing that because otherwise the book would have never gone out, got out. And now I have the opportunity to get feedback from people, get advice from people and really now bring that into maybe another version. So I'm not going to do it immediately because I, I need a little bit of a break because I'm working <laughs> a lot of work. But I definitely do have plans eventually for version two. That's fantastic. I mean, the book itself was a project, it sounds like. And, and now it you're was. in the middle of 
you're in the middle of postmortem and then understanding, you know, what you can, you can iterate on. So that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to if you have uh, future editions of it, or even a, a people typically, they kind of go back in and tweak the original version. But either way, Kevin, I think it's, it's a great book. I really hope that project managers and non-project managers will pick it up. I think there's a lot of good life lessons in there too. Um, so whether you're a project manager or not, please do yourself a favor, pick up the book. It's out today or as of yesterday, I think, of doing this interview, getting the job done, practical advice and real world anecdotes to manage successful projects. And I would put in parentheses to that title at work and in your everyday life, because again, I think this is, there's a lot of practical takeaways there. So Kevin, is there anything else that you wanted to impart on our audience, words of wisdom or anything to- No, and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this interview. Thank you for even inviting me to be part of your, uh, your, your group that you've created. I really ask everybody out there to read it with the intention that, uh, you know, these ideas and thoughts might help you. And I would love to know if they do. I would love to know if they don't. Uh, you know, again, I think there's always different ways to interpret something there's different ways that people will understand what I've written even though my intent might have been different and I'd love that feedback because you know that's how we do evolve and the mm -hmm. most important chapter it's I don't call it postmortems it's called reflection for a reason because it's not good it's not bad it's just understanding what you could have done differently if you did do it differently or you did do it again and I love that. I love that part of refining what I do myself in my personal life with my children and especially with your audience. So they, uh, it's very, very important to get that feedback. And I do hope that people will, will provide it. Well, thank you, Kevin. And, and that will do it for you and I in this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. As a reminder, the book is available everywhere in paperback as well as ebook now. And I believe there's an audiobook coming as well. Is that right, Kevin? There is an audio book. Uh, there's uh, some hardcover books as well. So Fantastic. we are, we are, this, we, we're, we're very fortunate. The Inc. Magazine, Inc. Original picked the book up as well. So they are promoting it. So we've been very fortunate with the reception we've already received. And it's still in its early stages. So Again, it was never intended, to, I was never intended to be a, the best author. Uh, I just wanted to really share some of my thoughts. And I think that's what is going to resonate with its readers for sure, because it definitely did resonate with me, Kevin. So if folks want to continue the conversation with you, provide some feedback on the book or just talk about project management, where can they find you online? No, you know, they can. I've got my LinkedIn homepage up and they're absolutely welcome to send me messages and communicate through LinkedIn and I'll make myself available. I've, I've been, uh, I'm relatively good at it. It takes me a little bit of time to get back to people, but I generally will respond. Fantastic. Well, you can also find me on LinkedIn as well. And we ask that you also support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever po podcasting platform you are listening in on. We also have the video version of this available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Campia. And like I said, that will do it for Kevin and I in this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. And until next time, take care.